Awoga, this is a 12th cast. <laughs> this is the Ganymede and Titan live instant reaction dwarf cast, and we'd like to talk to you about Jesus. As the old saying goes, if life gives you lemons, make an overlong, rambling and self-important podcast. For the next hour and a bit, we'll be peeling and slicing lemons in every way possible, looking at a selection of your comments, speaking to some of our least rubbish GNT regulars via Skype, and previewing next week's episode. If you're listening live and you want your words read out in our stupid voices, you can either post them in the Let's Talk About Lemons thread on GNT, if it's working, or more likely, tweet us via at Ganymede Titan. Joining me in Symes tonight are Jonathan Capps. Hello. Danny Stevenson. Hello. The fan club's Joe Sharples. Hello. And at long last, Tanya Jones. Hello. Finally. Now, before we get started, there's been a lot of controversy in the last week, and there'll no doubt be some more after tonight's Christ-based antics, so we thought it would be a good idea to reiterate a few points about the nature of these dwarf casts. Firstly, as you'll know if you're listening live, but may not be aware of if you've downloaded the podcast later, we're recording this just minutes after the episode has aired, and as such, all opinions stated are just rough, raw, unrefined thoughts. Not everything we say will hold up to scrutiny, and we reserve the right to change our minds after we've thought about it some more. Also, there's no such thing as a G&T editorial consensus. We often agree on a lot of things, but we're a collective of individuals with our own opinions, and nothing we say should be considered to be what Ganymede and Titan thinks. So basically, shut the fuck up about Benny Hill. With that in mind, uh, let's go around the room and gather some brief initial thoughts on the episode we've just watched, starting with Danny, because he's usually last. <laughs> Uh, I absolutely love that episode. Um, it could be one of my favourites so far, weirdly enough. Uh, yeah, I think it's also my favourite one of the series. Um, it, I'm in a weird position of not being able to remember too much about it because I was just so wrapped up in laughing so much, so I approve. <laughs> I thought that was a, a very funny episode. Um, usual caveats will apply, but... Um, yeah, probably not my favourite, actually. Probably not as good as Trojan, but I did enjoy it very much. Tanya? I think it was the best so far, and the one, only one so far that I've really enjoyed. Uh, apologies if you just heard a cat jump directly onto a <laughs> microphone. Uh, jo? Um, I went into this a little bit expecting not to like it very much, to be honest, but I laughed a lot. I really enjoyed it. What was that based on? Um, I just kind of, the whole Jesus thing, I think partly because I tend not to like the Doctor Who ones where they have yeah, celebrity historical historicals. figures and I, I was just kind of thinking, uh, I don't know how good this is going to be, but I'm, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, luckily Doug Naylor is a better writer than Chris Chibnall. <laughs> <laughs> We're all right on that score. Uh, yeah, it was a, a celebrity historical, which Red Dwarf has sort of done a little bit before with Meltdown, which was multiple historical yeah. figures. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, it turns out that it's it's not the it's real not, Jesus. It's not really him. And, of course, Ticker, by the way. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about that one. <laughs> Kennedy <laughs> is quite famous. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Kennedy. One or two. <laughs> but, yeah, um, plot-wise, this episode, it was... Uh, it contrasted to um, the first two episodes in that it was quite linear, and um, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way or anything. It, yeah. You know, it's not one versus the other, but rather than having several threads that were intertwining, um, it was you know clear beginning, middle, and end, and all the rest of it. And uh, yeah, 
I think that was to its credit, yeah. definitely. Um, Trojan just about got away with it. Um, Fathers and Sons possibly was yeah. um, made less good than it could have been by having too many ideas in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a running gag which took up very little screen time of um, Shakespearean phrases uh, pissing rumour off. It just stopped halfway through yeah. as well. <laughs> it, it wasn't like, I mean, yeah. it didn't take up more screen time than it deserved, which is sort of the problem that we had with um, Chinese Whispers. Is that, yeah, that took up five minutes of the episode for not very many gags. Whereas this was uh, far more efficient. And um, the character comedy w- it was really, not that it had gone away, but it, it cemented the fact that it was back. And these uh, four characters just getting along and bickering and just... It felt very, uh, in terms of the dialogue, very series six. And they're all, they were all together all at the same time for the vast majority of the episode. Uh, exposition was going on while jokes were going on, yeah. and uh, yeah, it felt yeah, it felt uh, if previous episodes maybe felt like they were possibly a draft away from mm. being entirely finished. This felt like an episode with, uh, that had had a lot more sort of uh, time put into it, just possibly because you know Doug obviously had enough ideas around that one story to dedicate the whole episode to that. Um, yeah, I almost knocked over a glass, so I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's sort of uh, go through bits of the episode. Um, well, actually, first of all, there's a comment that I saw at half-time, a tweet from um, Tarka Doll on GNT or Carl, as we know him, saying this was like an enjoyable version of Captain Butler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see where he gets that from, except... I don't think Captain Butler had uh, any sets that were quite as good as the one <laughs> no. that we saw here. Oh, that set was a, a beautiful thing. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, it was so big that the audience had to be shepherded in the side door that week because it had completely overgrown where the um, medic, uh, the Medibot set was and into the area where you all filtered in. So it was very large. Um but still, I, when it comes to actual floor space, there wasn't a great deal of room, but they did a good job of sort of turning it into various side streets during the chase. And yeah, things. well, um, I didn't see this episode recorded. It's uh, the first one in this series where that's the case. And, um, yeah, so obviously without knowing the limitations of the set. You know, I don't, it was sort of... It was clear that it was an indoor set rather than naturally outdoors, but I don't think it was... I don't mean that in a bad way. No. I don't think it was really pretending to be outdoors, but I certainly couldn't see the joins when they were running around the corridors. There was a, maybe a little bit with the chase with the Roman that you sort of you could tell that they'd run past the same market store a couple of times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's also true extras. of Back to Earth, where um, they run past Joe four times. <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, crucially, the plot had enough momentum to not make you notice yeah. any limitations of the set, which was... Yeah, very good set. I think the thing with it, it does feel like an outdoor set has been lit, but it could possibly that could possibly be because, well, a you knew it was anyway, but b you know you you kind of trained to <laughs> spot things like that. Uh, a, um, it's enjoyable to see. It's like oh, they've done a really good job of that indoor set that's been made yeah. to look outdoors. <laughs> you know, it's obvious in that sort of way. You know, it's done very well and um, quite a lot of extras crammed in there as well for yeah extras and indeed guest 
yeah. performances. It's uh, quite luxurious almost, yeah, production-wise. The mom from um, Kumar's at number 42. She says this is the best thing she's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can safely say that Lemons was better than the Kumar's at number 42. <laughs> Um, and uh, Jesus, Jesus' uncle, and um, the new Jesus slash Judas at the end, uh, yeah. a couple of Romans. Yeah, it felt expansive and it felt it felt more expensive than it was. Expensive and expensive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the tension is expensive. <laughs> um, Tanya mentioned that the plot bubbled along very efficiently and, uh, and at a good pace, and as did the jokes. I think that I wasn't waiting for a laugh for very long, if at all. Yeah, I think I've laughed more at this one than I have in previous weeks. There was, um, it was very strong on the uh, on the one-liners. I'm having this is a problem. I'm having real trouble recalling many. Yeah, um, <laughs> many individual lines and stuff. I think that's that's me. an indication that rather than having individual standout moments once every 10 minutes or so like the first two episodes have had and there's nothing wrong with that because they were good it was more a low level of uh, constant good lines rather than a few great ones yeah there was no over um there was no focus on one particular main character they were all mm. they were the, the posse for the first time in the series yeah i think that i think that's probably why i like yeah. that. not that i dislike rimmer or lister no, you episodes, need those but, episodes yeah. but yeah, yeah i think it's... i've had a really strong reaction because of that yeah, it's a it's a good sign when you can't remember the jokes. It means you've enjoyed yourself. Yeah, and you weren't really concentrating <laughs> and I'm that hard. Really <laughs> looking forward to watching it again already. Uh, yeah, that's a good I point. I swear there is one joke that particularly stands out for me, but that's just because it was in the trailer, um, which was um, Lister and Rimmer um, taunting Crichton. Say yes. smear smudge, uh, and then they completed the joke. Yeah. And I go smeg, and he goes oh, smeg. <laughs> yeah, we think yeah, there was only three smegs this episode. <laughs> yeah, um, I had an argument with uh, Daniel Pendleton after the recording because <laughs> I was insistent there was one smeg because we I was making notes for the set report, and he was equally insistent that there was three smegs. I think Seb agreed with him, and I was wrong. There was three smegs, so there you go. I'm not sure it particularly makes much sense. Yeah. There's some, some smeg on that. I mean, <laughs> it depends. We're, we're never sure what Dirty smeg boys. means. Yeah. <laughs> because um, at times it's used in substitution for fuck, sometimes it's used for shit, and then there's the medical <laughs> definition, and you really hope that that isn't happening. I think it could just be like, um, oh, I've got some crap on that. Mm. Like, not Unless... specifically. Alistair's been but... reading some quite interesting books. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's a nice little fan joke, which is um, it's probably the only example of a fan joke I've in, well in the Red Dwarf anyway. Yeah. I really enjoyed. Well, one yeah, directed specifically, and also it's um, it's something I mentioned in the set report. Is that that's a scene where if that was series seven Crichton, it would be unbearable. I think mm. because he get, he he goes into full on fussy high-pitched mode, but it's played much, much better in this episode. Well, uh, Alistair Green on Twitter has just said, uh, must commend Bobby Lou on his performance in tonight's show, felt much more like the classic Crichton. Yeah. So there you go, true. it's fact yeah. now. Also, his mask seemed to look a lot better than it did. It's all over the place. Yeah, it, it varies from episode yeah. to episode. Yeah, and in last week's episode, the the final scene was... It was awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a pre-recorded. And so maybe... You know, they did the last episode before Christmas. They did this one a week or so after the new year. Yeah. So they've had, they've had well, obviously they had Christmas off. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. they've had time to tweak it a little bit and um, see where they've gone wrong. And from a performance standpoint as well, is, I mean, they, they kind of did come out of the gates, you know, running. Mm. That's definitely a phrase, isn't it? Um, <laughs> in, in episode one, you know, there, there was no, I didn't think, oh God, you know, yeah. Chris is a bit rusty, or Craig's a bit rusty. Um, but even so, they're now settled in, settled in you know, well rested after Christmas and you know they know what they're doing and it felt a little bit more natural more, because of that yeah, a bit more comfortable possibly, yeah more more comfortable and sort of more confident yeah in the performances maybe there was one little bit of rumour in the second scene the first scene with him in it uh, where he goes Shakespeare is over <laughs> yeah. and that seemed a little bit over the top but yeah. that was that was about it in terms of over the top some... uh, there was one little bit which was um, just after they transported um, him over not over explaining but sort of go oh these um, Swedish uh, mm. this Swedish shower and it just went on for a bit too long. Yeah. It's like, yes, we know that is what <laughs> it's happened. Ikea, it's an Ikea. There's some <laughs> there's some weird choice of words sort of littered about as well. And it's you know, something that's happened for the whole series. Such like um an example is when they first come back from India and Crichton calls the rejuvenation machine the rejuve machine or rejuving machine, something like that. <laughs> Just like weird short like sort of almost trying to be trendy shortening of words. And um, like things like Rim saying him off of the Bible, which reminded me of Liam Herring actually, so I quite like that. Like, it's you, isn't it, from off of the Bible? <laughs> but um, so that I'd need to watch it again to fully catalogue these. But every now and then there's a line that I think that doesn't quite sit right. It could be funny, you know, it could elicit a laugh, but also I think you know maybe not quite right for the character but then when you've been away from these characters in the main for nine years mm. in the, in their history you know obviously there's there's going to be slight changes there and we can't expect an identical set of characterizations and performances it's just a few little bits to get used to I think well we've been um you've been sort of putting off mentioning it so far but there is there's a lot in this episode that is going to prove controversial and uh you know we, we can't put off talking about it any longer what, why is Rumour's mum not a Seventh-day Advent hoppist anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I reckon she just, like... Rumour's parents just clearly... Um, jump. Didn't know what they well, wanted to be. Yeah, they're jumping from church to church. Or hopping. <laughs> <laughs> hopping from church to church. Basically, they were fucking mad. <laughs> they were hopping mad. They were hopping mad. <laughs> Hop fucking so mad. many jokes. Hopping <laughs> well, it, I mean, it does make sense that Rumour's parents are mental. Yeah, yeah, they're a bit unstable. Not to say <laughs> no, that anyone yeah. who—I mean, I don't actually know if the Church of Judas is a thing. I presume it is. It might be, you know. Yeah, I think it sounds like the sort of thing. There was Keep enough talking on Google it. <laughs> There's enough background given on it that I think it's a thing. Um, um, I think it must have—they must have been the Church of Judas first, and then they became the Seventh Day Advent Hoppists. That's a good idea. That's because women. They would have had to have been in the Church of Judas when Rumour was born yes. in order to yeah. name him that. And then they probably thought, you know, what's his rubbish? Or maybe they started collecting church affiliations and <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, we could, you know, this one, Seventh day Advent Hoppist doesn't clash well, with yeah, the Church, they church of Judas. They picked up a misprinted Bible and thought, this is the true way. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they had a misprinted Bible that actually accidentally found and replaced all of Jesus with Judas. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was. Uh, yeah, it's um, it was quite a nice 
unobvious tack to take with the the plot plot actually just mm. introducing the whole church of judas thing tying it to rimmer which is a nice bit of you know character callback without it feeling labored and you know a needless callback yeah it wasn't it didn't feel forced it was quite nice and i really liked you know rimmer's it, you know the little flashes of you know rimmer was clearly a lapsed christian and he has you know all through the series he has little things like you know um uh, body swap, no time slides. When yeah. he come, he's clearly come back from some sort of service, and his Christian rock CDs in in the non-canon series eight. Um, <laughs> but also, <laughs> explicitly says in Waiting for God that he doesn't believe in God. Yeah, so yeah. He, he's always been full of contradictions. Yeah, he's probably yeah, and this this plays right into that. He's a lapsed, you know, a lapsed Christian, but he still has this, you know, he's a bit like Richard Herring. He has this respect <laughs> and love for Jesus. Well, and, I don't uh, know if that's true because in Hollowship he just says that he goes, "Oh, well, Jesus was a hippie." He goes, "Yeah, well, he was a you know, long hair, didn't have a job, but what he?" That's true. Yeah, Hollowship and uh, Demons and Angels is uh, two similar conversations about Jesus. He's conflicted. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not that Rob and Doug were forgetful. <laughs> it's, it's that Rimmer's conflicted. Uh, you've mentioned, well, Rimmer, yeah, Rimmer didn't really have one particular consensus on any one idea. No, one idea. Sorry, go on. Uh, you've mentioned uh, Richard Herring three times now. Have I? Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the, uh, there was a bit that reminded me, I don't know if it's because I watched it fairly recently, but um, the the conversation between um, fake Jesus and um, Sanjeev Bashkar's mum uh, about the Ten Commandments and why they're a load of bollocks uh, <laughs> reminded me a lot of um, Richard Herring routine. Deconstructing. Um, yeah, yeah, that was... It was an odd period of the episode where it was sort of um, deliberately satirising uh, Christianity not in a particularly vicious way no. but just uh, you know anti-bible stuff it was a sort of an extension of what else is new yeah, um, it, yeah <laughs> slightly it, more sort of it felt, felt a little bit well I don't know if it was to be honest <laughs> it, was, it felt a little bit it needs to be there because you need to show the fact that he, you know he's trying to discredit himself and that's the way you know he'd do it. But um, it did feel like a, oh I've got a big list of points to make here. Yeah, Let, let's make <laughs> squeeze yeah. them in. Yeah. Um, what did you think of James Baxter? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't particularly like James Baxter. I don't think he was. I didn't hate him but I didn't particularly like his portrayal. I think he was a bit inconsistent I think he seemed to veer towards different voices and different styles That was my problem with it it's like I have no problem with him being Geordie Jesus or whatever <laughs> but be consistent and he yeah. kept he kept veering from trying sort of putting on a sort of a quite a, a posh yeah. um, oldie worldy accent <laughs> and then and then you got every now and again a really strong Geordie bit coming through and it was a bit, I, I don't know, it kind of, it, I don't know, maybe it pulled me out a little bit because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, it wasn't very, I mean, it matters less when you realise that he wasn't Jesus, he was just some bloke and, sure, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, so, but um, I think he, he wasn't helped by his lines in the script were a bit inconsistent as well I, I definitely think he was the sort of the least important bit of the episode <laughs> yeah. um maybe partly because of his performance so it may be maybe mainly to do with the writing I, I don't know maybe that was intentional 
the Jesus thing is just something to hang the comedy on. Yeah, that's true. And um, it works. Yeah. I think just, I mean, the um, trying to write lines in sort of old English, sort of, you know, adding firsts and vows and yes, everywhere yes. all over the place is really, really easy to fuck up. And I think this episode was on the wrong side of that. And every now and then, he'd have a weird sort of modern type line, say, like when he's talking about um, smoking. This is like bad, smoking bad yeah. bark, bark. bark. Well bad bark. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> oh, that is well bad bark. Well bark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God>. um, <laughs> yeah, it, um, there, there were some weird inconsistencies there. And they were probably the biggest problems I had. Just those just weird tonal shifts. Um, but... Not a huge deal, really. No. Well, um, we've gone on for 20 minutes, so I Jesus. think it's about time we... Uh, yeah, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's about time we introduced our first guest, uh, Curtis. Hello! Yay! It's Curtis how are you Stryker. guys? Oh, very well. How are you? I'm very, very good, thank you. Well, uh, Curtis is a uh, left-wing, extreme atheist... Uh, Marxist nihilistic anarchist. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think of the episode from that perspective? Well, I spent all week worrying that I was going to be in 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 conflict with Red Dwarf, thinking it was going to do something a little bit too pro Christianity or something like that. And from that that point of view, I was, I'm I'm kind of impressed with it. I enjoyed it. It puts up some nice pot shots of Christianity without being too uh, quite too too horrible with it, too mean spirited. But in all honesty, I think my initial reaction, I preferred fathers and sons. All right. Um, so you were a racist? I'm one of the few people who like Taiwan. Sorry, I, sh- I probably shouldn't have derailed that. <laughs> um, well done, cats. Is it? So um, your reasons for not being so keen on it, was that down to the plot or the comedy or a combination? No, 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 no. I, I actually think... Uh, that this one was a touch hammy in places as well. Mm. It didn't feel quite as as well played as Fathers and Sons. Fathers and Sons for me was very, it was just, it was just very well performed. There was a lot of truth in the performances and I didn't quite feel it as much with Lemons, although I did really enjoy it. It was the first time I've laughed out loud properly. Uh, Lister saying to the woman, thanks for saying she's out of the Kuma, by the way, because that's been driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> After the big long speech, Lister going, uh, so have you got any lemons? Yeah. <laughs> I was just Crack starting... walking into the sleeping quarters. <laughs> he has risen. You know I'm, that, that's yeah. I'm glad you've got a better memory for things like this. You've just listed two of my favourite lines. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Mr. Jesus, sir, was quite pleasing. <laughs> yeah. Um this is... I, I can't lie and say I was a little disappointed that it turned out it wasn't the real Jesus in the end, especially after he called him a knob. But uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and indeed I, touched I his knob. I kind of guess why they did that, and you know I can't really hold that against him. I, I I think it was good, but as I say, I think my initial reaction was uh, stronger with fathers and sons. But you know that's subject to change. I've only seen it once. Mm. Well, I yeah, I sort of um, I was relieved that they didn't. I, it was only a minor concern that it could happen, but that they were going to say that you know Jesus was really the Son of God, and he could you know. Yeah. But they presented a, a from as far as we can tell, a historically accurate version. 
of uh... well, my, my mind was running with theories when it got to like the the advert break. I was like, is 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 Rimmer going to turn out to be Judas? Is he going to get crucified by the end of him? And I was, <laughs> I was wondering if they were if they were even going to instill the idea in him that he was the son of God, something like that. And then it, it didn't it didn't quite do any of those things. But you know, it would, that's not what it was. That's that's just what I was thinking. That's nothing yeah. to do with the, the episode. That's quite a nice idea. <laughs> Mm. Be like the end of uh, Time Slides, where Rimmer somehow becomes alive again, and uh, at the end of the episode, he's crucified to hilarious consequences, and he's a hologram again yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was like, they're going to put things back exactly the same way, but in a weird fashion, you know, like Tika to Ride, something like that. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm not a, li- a, li- a little the... brain fart there. Um, <laughs> I was just going to say I, something that came to my mind when you mentioned um, sort of Lister's punchline to um, uh, the Kumar's lady. God, that I need to know yeah, her name. Yeah. Um, it, it was just at a point where I thought, all right, this is going on a bit, and you know, seems a little bit too, yeah, bit meh. But yeah, that that punchline was really, really good. And there's, yeah, there's so much stuff like that in this series where, you know, I, I think. Things are probably going to turn out not very well in this this line, this joke, and they do and it in the end. Yeah. yeah, it just it shows what a fine line it is. Um, did, what did we all think of um, touching Jesus's cock? Wow! Um, <laughs> as when it was revealed at the end that it, it wasn't the real Jesus, I was slightly disappointed that <laughs> that in the Red Dwarf universe no, it's still the case that no one has touched the penis of the Holy Lamb. <laughs> and would he have I didn't think Rimmer was going to cut it off at one point. <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird thing about that scene is that because it was one of the main things I was talking about in the set report about this episode being batshit insane and I almost forgot at times that the Jesus that we meet throughout the episode isn't actually the real Jesus because when you see that scene Mm. You think it's the real Jesus, so it still yeah. has the same sort of what the fuck mm-hmm. impact. And uh, calling Lister calling him a knob has a tremendous <laughs> amount of impact yeah. if you if you're still thinking that this is actually the Son of God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit weird because I I don't think the scene had that much of an impact on me. I just you know, I I think I just enjoyed the joke, and I wasn't yeah. I wasn't really thinking about them touching Jesus's cock. I, well, in fact, no one did directly, so. And it wasn't Jesus, so there no, you are. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, just before we go on, um, Indira Joshi. Indira Joshi is the yes. name of the woman from the Kumars. And I was apparently, going to say that, and also I was going to tell you that I don't think there is a Church of Judas either. No, I had a quick look and I couldn't find it. <laughs> oh, that's quite a nice bit of made-up... Um, yeah, um, it, it sounds believable. Um, also, Indira Joshi was in Superman for the Quest for Peace. So um... that's the best Superman film. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, so she's come up in the world at least. <laughs> um, how about the the sci-fi aspect of this? Um, obviously, the um, the rejuvenation shower and all the rest of it was it just a bit random? <laughs> The uh, the whole transporting back in time out of nowhere, no, or, or did you enjoy it? I really, um, I had no problems with that. I thought that was no, no more, you know, hand wavy and unbelievable than any number of yeah. technological devices that have turned up in the show. I think um, I'm sure there was a better explanation for why it transported them back in time. I mean, clearly it's it's broken. No, I think there was. <laughs> no, they, they, they may have cut out. I'm not. I'm not sure, but. What was um, the piece that he, they were saying 
The something bracket. Oh, the, um, the alignment bracket. Alignment so, bracket. So that basically meant that the rays didn't weren't yeah. contained yeah. within the cage, and so it affected everyone. And you know, it's rejuvenation. It returns you to your past self. It's clearly got some time elements in there, and I think that's a close enough. That's close enough. Yeah. It, it's fine. It's fine. It, I did it was fine. It was fine. There was a gag in there that was reasonably funny, and it it got them to where they needed to be, and then they moved on from that part of the plot. It was fine, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I, I did kind of think when they suddenly disappear and then reappear in the forest. I kind of thought, why did that do that when it was supposed to just make <laughs> them a bit younger? But I didn't really care that much. Yeah. Once it, it moved on very quickly yeah. and they got me laughing and I didn't care. To be honest, um, all I thought was that Doug needs to pay more attention to the instruction booklets IKEA supply with their <laughs> products. I've, I've never had any trouble. <laughs> right, actually, I just thought the point. Uh, they still talk about the Shakespeare things later in the episode, even though it's six months later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've clearly been just going. <laughs> yeah. There's not much to talk about when you're trans- transversing <laughs> half the fucking not. planet. <laughs> that. What did you think of that? Uh, the you know. Walking six thousand miles or whatever, four thousand miles. miles. Because I because I did a walking marathon a couple of weeks ago and I'm still (laughs) fucking knackered. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't heard the last of it. Um, I that weirdly that bit reminded me of uh, the end of series two of Torchwood. (laughs) (laughs) Good, that's a good thing to know. (laughs) Yeah, you know when. um, Although this this is a red dwarf is an example of where I think it worked, but Captain Jack's buried and he's buried there for like. He's buried there back in time, and he's there for two thousand years, constantly dying and and being alive. And he gets out, and he's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, you know that sort of it's it's too long. It's 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 like uh, in in the Infinity Novel where Lister says three million years is just a ridiculous amount of time. I yeah. can't comprehend it. You can't comprehend someone having to walk four thousand miles yeah. and the effect it would have on them. You can't comprehend someone being buried for two thousand years and and what effect it have on them. So it was a little bit beyond belief, but. I saw a, a comment from someone, uh, apologies because I can't remember who it was, uh, who said they were disappointed that the cat didn't have um, a ludicrous yet <laughs> impossibly stylish moustache. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that should definitely have happened. I bet Lister and the cat got quite an aroma to give them piggybacks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah. <laughs> the hard light drive. Yeah. Um, Presumably, you know, no fatigue, no fatigue. Yeah, they could have gone on for it. <laughs> that uh, would have been quite a good visual guy if, like, cat had come in on the back of Crichton. <laughs> 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 All right, well, uh, you got anything else you need to get off your chest, Curtis? Uh, no, uh, just just that I love you. You're lovely. Aww, we, we love, love you, you too. Curtis. <laughs> uh, you better come to Dimension Jump. I will do, I will. Good luck. Right, that, that's official now. <laughs> well, uh, we shall get leathered. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, yeah, thanks guys, thanks for having me. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Oh, brilliant, I've just cut Danny off. Skype's rubbish. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ian's rubbish, one of the two. One of the two. Uh, we've got a few uh, comments to read out. Um... Uh, Andrew Ellard, I believe that's his name, said, um, I tend to think Rimmer's mum was Church of Judas when he was born, Advent Hoppus by his childhood, and bonking the vicars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we that's came, good. That's a long came to that sort of, of conclusion. Uh, 
Peter Jones, uh, Captain Tao. Uh, the obvious question stems around why they didn't use a power made from why they didn't use power from Crichton instead of a makeshift battery. Because, um, because, because, um, because yeah. <laughs> that would have been an incredibly dull episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, there we go, fixed. <laughs> um, maybe Crichton doesn't have the right adapters. He doesn't run on any yeah. sort of back power cells. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, he runs on an inconsistent volt supply. Yeah. yeah, perhaps his volts might yeah. be excessive and yeah, he it could blow up it. He could be AC and the turn of remote could be DC. <laughs> <and> all sorts <laughs> of problems. <laughs> well, uh, the other way around, because remotes... Uh, oh, shush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Doug went through this exact same conversation in his head when he was writing. And then Doug saying, oh, shush. <laughs> it's actually um, it's an interesting episode because this is the first time that... Doug was consulting with Twitter while writing an episode yes. of Red yes. Yeah. Uh, this was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was he was asking about the feasibility of lemon batteries, of availability of lemons in a particular time period. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people picked it up. And I think that's when he actually revealed the title of the episode, which is something I missed at the time. Oh, did you notice um, Lemon's title card was in yellow instead of it red. It was yellow this it time. Was. How was it? I didn't Ooh. even notice yeah. that. Yeah, the, the, and the opening shot is was a weird sort of... Um, Dust storm. Well, it, yeah, it was clearly... Oh, was nice. There was a really big star and yeah. Red Dwarf was like, a, you know, like the train of camels with three <laughs> wise men. Yeah, yeah, I did notice that, actually. That was a really cool shot. Yeah, I really I liked that. that. Yeah, very nice, very nice. There was a, a, a new Red Dwarf Flyby, nothing too yeah. exciting, but nice. The new plate also. shot was of the modular plate system. Ah, uh, was it now? Yeah, it was that one. Yeah, ah, good, good. And very good music, um, both oh, yeah. reusing old ones, most notably um, Crichton's cleaning, cleaning montage one. during the building <laughs> montage. Yeah, that um, was a really good montage yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 yeah, Crichton does good faces. Yeah, good faces. <laughs> it was fairly, you know, fairly standard, fairly easy um, thing to do, but. You know, not an easy thing to do, but an easy thing to think of. But it it was executed really well. Yeah, it was just the right length, and yeah, they picked the music. And we is the was that the original music, Danny? You'll have a better ear than me. Or was uh, that really well, it sounded cleaner for sure. Um, I th- well, it, to be honest with you, it's but they sounded like as if they like they've got the master recording again, rather than actually re rearranged it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it sounded like as if they hadn't got the one off the DVD. It sounded like they've actually got. The actual master recording from the original tapes. Found it down At least Howard Goodall must have had that one. Oh, it's possible he just. I mean, presumably he could have re-recorded that fairly quickly and fairly faithfully it, with his with his. He did, stuff. but it is exactly the same. Uh, okay, yeah. it's a bit too the same. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, we also got a good piece of original music, which was um, an Indian version of the oh, yeah. uh, main theme, uh, briefly. Which has been used before in DNA, kind of thing. Uh yeah. The same motif, idea. The same motif, yeah, same it's not idea. The same um, cue, but it's yeah, the same that idea. That sort of thing. Yeah. Um, another comment. Um, to 1984, uh, or Tom Worsley, that would have been easier to say, uh, says, I find the guests in this series are uh, too broad and daft. That can work in Red Dwarf, see Tim Spool, but where's Nirvana, Hudson Tenor, Inquisitor? Which I think is A, doing a disservice to Rebecca Blackstone. Absolutely. Yeah. Because she was all of those things, and she you know, was great. she was great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark Dexter, uh, is it Mark Dexter? I'm thinking of Howard. Yeah, yeah. 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 Howard. Yeah, he Dexter. did 
he had a few exaggerated bits and but only where called for and I think his his performance was very good and very funny. Well, uh, his job so, was to mimic Chris yeah, a little bit, a little and bit. he did yeah. it perfectly. Yeah. Well, he's he definitely a believable yeah. brother of yeah. Uh, yeah, cut from the same cloth. So yeah, I, I'm quite pleased overall with the guest stars, but yeah, individual ones obviously. <laughs> Let's not go back to last week, but, no, but yeah. there are some broad performances overall, but there are also very good considered performances well, from guest stars and cast alike. The fact of the matter is, is that everything in this series is broader than you know what everyone would consider the you know well not everyone but you know they're broader than one to six. There mm. is just a fact yeah. that yes. it's you know they're doing it. This is the, the best they've done this style, definitely. But you know it's just a fact. It, it, it's going to be an overwhelmingly sort of you know broader type of comedy. There's still plenty of you know non-broad stuff mixed in there, but it's just a fact. Then I think it's I think it's working well for you know mm. for the, for the show. Uh, in reference to something we said a few moments ago, uh, Soundable Object has pointed out that Doug consulted on Twitter about fathers and sons as well. He asked what the point of no return for approaching a star was. Oh yes, uh, yeah, I'd sort of forgotten about that. That was, that was a bit more generic and spacey rather than lemons in 2318. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. very specific. <laughs> um, we've got... Uh, according to that guy again, Andrew Ellard, the Judas stuff is an existing theory, by the way. Doug went well into proper research for this one. Ooh. And um, we've got a link that was sent to us by Dan Squire, a Wikipedia link about the Gospel of Judas, uh, which I will now... I've just done it live. I've just retweeted it on uh, from at Ganymede Titan. If you want to look at that link, uh, but don't do it until after we've finished broadcasting. You, uh, <laughs> that would just be rude. Yeah, that would be very rude. Don't leave us. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's what I found particularly interesting and more um, classic for Dwarf about this as well is that there was a genuinely interesting bit of plot uh, in terms of the Judas... Church of Judas idea, um, which is something I've, I think I've missed in more recent Mud Dwarf, where I, I haven't found the ideas that interesting or, or not nothing yeah. really, hasn't really caught my attention, whereas this did. Well, this was quite new and fresh because I, I mean I found the central ideas in the first two episodes interesting enough, but they are like in the case of Lister being his own dad, it's an established idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, pre, you know, wasn't it? An entirely, you know, like at its basic level, an entirely original thing, and you know, Rimmer's brothers have been um, um, mentioned before as well. But this was an entirely fresh thing mm. for Red Dwarf to be doing, and it and um, it definitely benefited from that. And it was, well, I think, it's been well placed in the series as well. You know, we've had two concentrating on our main two characters, yeah, and now you know, this episode really felt like a palate cleanser almost, just mm. like you know, an ensemble piece, an ensemble piece, a nice and um, then. I, does it does it affect our spoiler policy if I I think it must have been written about in the set report at the time but yeah next week's a bit more ensemble as well there, there's bits focused on individual characters or individual pairings of characters which you can get from the trailer anyway yeah um, but yeah I think we're, uh, we're we've yeah we've, we've set out our stall for a new series and um, potentially bringing in a new audience uh, we've reintroduced the biggest uh, themes of Rimmer and of Lister uh, and then we're going back to, all right, you know who these guys are again. Let's get on with it. Yeah, let's get on with and, it. And uh, a nice bit of subtle um, development for Lister as well. 
when he was reading a book at the start, which is obviously something he's never done before, and that was even referenced last week, the fact that he'd never read a book. Uh, he said, he's, I'm doing this for my engineering course. Yeah. So he's, yeah. he's, developed, he's carried on doing that. That and the he, had a, he had a little break to drink champagne yeah. and play uh, Zero G FIFA. <laughs> yeah. it, it was just he knows that any sensible study schedule involves um, <laughs> rest periods. Period. Period. <laughs> period. And um, I think um, now then, now then, I was thinking of something. Uh, um, Careful oh, with the nine. <laughs> 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 we don't want to get a BBC investigation. <laughs> Look, while, while we're covering. Um, Sort of ongoing threads. I don't think it was mentioned, but the rejuvenation shower has to be from Trojan, yeah? Yeah, um, there was a brief line from Crichton that I can't quite remember as uh, we found this floating somewhere. He, he sort of dragged it into Red Dwarf, having seen it. Yeah. Jet- I mean, it would jettisoned make... or something yeah. along those lines. I, mean, I quite re-watch. like the idea of all the phenomena that they encounter is all centralised to this one derelict. It mm. kind of makes the. It helps make the the universe feel a bit less busy. Also, like you know, returning plots, um, there was a really, really crowbarred Pachanski reference that just yeah. stuck out a mile yeah. for me. Um, just, oh my god, we've been teleported. We've got to get back to Red Dwarf, you know, and find Kachansky, despite the fact he barely mentions fucking finding <laughs> Kachansky. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's if it was less of an obvious uh, plot point, then it, you could. You yeah. could be kind and say that it was uh, in a sort of Doctor Who bad wolf uh, <laughs> seeding, but it doesn't or, really work when you're explicit <laughs> about what it means. Oh, in series two of Doctor Who. Oh, series two? Yeah, series two of the new Doctor Who. Um, so, how's Torchwood going? <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, to be honest, I'm sixth about tea for Kachansky. <laughs> She's not been in it the whole series. And you're I know, and tea. I'm still sick of her. Um, just... Just drop it. <laughs> it's over. She's having a lovely time somewhere. I'm sure she hasn't crashed, crashed anywhere. She's in a vat of cottage cheese. <laughs> drowned, having fallen in, trying to learn the offside rule. I think my favourite theory is that she's just hiding somewhere on the ship. She's just tricked yeah. them all into thinking she left. <laughs> and, you know, she's... Um, I don't know, maybe in three million years there'll be a new race evolved from her. <laughs> she'll have had to... Um, yeah, maybe that's why there's some smeg on the console. <laughs> they all communicate through the mag- um, magical flute. <laughs> that's why there was some magical flute. No, magical flute. The magic flute. Um, let's have another quick comment uh, from Tenorman, who's uh, a regular commenter these days on GNT, who hasn't been exactly enamoured with the first two episodes. However, he says, Well, fuck, I really love that. <laughs> Bit heavy-handed on the religion hypocrisy, but unlike the last two weeks, the cast felt like they've found their characters again. That could easily have fit into series four and five. So happy I have no negative comments this week. Although he did later edit his post with a negative comment. But apart from that... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it seems to... um, There's no middle ground this week. I mean, there rarely is with Red Dwarf anyway. But um, I think it's quite interesting from um, the fan club Twitter that on no episode so far has anyone decided that they want to directly tweet me to tell me that they thought the episode was shit. Mm. And yet three people have done so tonight. Yeah, really? we've, we've... Yeah. I have had quite a... Well, I've had more tweets saying they enjoyed it and they thought it was great, best episode yet. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting that three separate people suddenly decided that I needed to know that they thought it was shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, well, we've had a, a few negative comments along with positive ones, but then we've asked people for their comments. Yeah. So. 
Um, Alex Newsom, uh, sorry, Bollocks Pookum from Gay Spacko Pook, <laughs> uh, asks us, so is there a lot cut from Lemons? Any scenes of interest? And Capsi, you were there? Yeah. You're um, the only one here who was there. I was. I was there. I was sat next to John Hall, and I think he fell asleep at one point. <laughs> That's um, a good sign. But it was very hot, and it was a very long recording. Uh, yes, I think, uh, I'm probably going to be proved wrong here, but the um, the joke of Lister saying, Jesus... And Jesus turning around. I can't remember whether that was just reshot a lot, or I think that happened on maybe two or three occasions. It was an escalating thing mm. where he turned around, and go yes, turn around, you know, back again, and then he got a little bit more exasperated each time. I think that's what happened. I'm really finding that I'm uh, struggling to remember what the hell happened at recordings at the moment. Um, yeah, but- we've got so much new stuff to process indeed it was nearly a year ago it was yeah yeah um there was another um deleted scene that was mentioned on the um on the thread but i can't actually remember uh what that was yet i don't think there was much to be honest because it was it's quite um it seemed to be quite a well sort of planned yeah. episode there was not much fat to trim it, it certainly didn't seem flabby at all um on, in the broadcast version, and arguably that's the first episode that you can say that about because you know uh, some people liked the phone stuff, some didn't. But it it was if you didn't like it, it would make the episode drag. And there was obviously Chinese whispers last week, but it felt very tight this week, and I liked it. Yes. Um, why don't we bring in another guest, uh, a woman? A good idea, a woman. A woman. Uh, hello, Carrie. Hello. Hello, Carrie from uh, the... It's a woman. A woman. <laughs> uh, Carrie from the official Red Dwarf fan club and Redhead85 on G&T. Yeah. Uh, you may remember um, she came on and everyone fancied her because she was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and then they realised she was married and like, oh, ah. <laughs> but still, you're here I have now. actually got Kieran with us here as well. Hello, um, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. Hello, Kieran. Two for the price of one. It's a fluffy I'm watch. On, uh, I'm on baby watch at the moment, so the baby don't have to run off. But, um, she just passed the again. <laughs> well, that sounds ominous. <laughs> uh, but anyway. She, like, she, thinks, she thinks it's good episodes because she likes kind of dancing to the end credits, so I think that's, oh, that's, that's not a winner from our, our daughter anyway. That's a fun um, but it's, yeah, I mean, what the hell am I going to talk about? You guys have covered everything. I might just be boring <laughs> a lot with like 15 minutes of telegraph holes or some shit. Um, <laughs> We've not heard what you think, so good or bad. Uh, What bits did you like? What bits? It's quite interesting actually, because yeah, I mean, overall, we really liked it, didn't we? Um, Mm. But I think we really felt that kind of the second half was far better than the first half. I think, I mean, when you're picking out negative bits, you you do just that because I think it was a bloody good episode. But Mm. there was so much kind of exposition, wasn't there? It's just suddenly kind of. Crichton just knows where they are, what time period, by having a little bit of a spasm. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know that in backwards. <laughs> You're like, what? I, th- I think, you know, there's certain things where if it wasn't so rushed, because, you know, it was a big, giant episode. You need to get through a lot of stuff. So I think some some exposition, I think we were kind of looking at each other, going, whoa, what? Uh, it went a bit quick, I think, with some of the bits, and, and some jokes maybe could have been pulled out of it. Yeah. But uh, there, there was so much to do, wasn't there? There was so much to get through. A lot of the jokes seem fairly elaborate in terms of, um, you know, somebody's done a lot of research, it seems like. Uh, I, I remember the uh, the lady who was selling lemons 
was talking about how her family had been sacrificed in three different ways. Hmm. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be a joke or not. <laughs> 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 then killed by so-and-so, then killed by... Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Death by... <laughs> and, then, and then it finished, and you're like, oh, um, that's... Well, I think, that's... I think the gag there was... Um... <laughs> The whole episode, you don't want to be offended or laughing. And um, this, and I said, well, I do want to mention first off, though, you're talking about research and everything. And I was quite, I was, you know, maybe this wasn't Doug's um, choice, but it wasn't credited. Um, it was actually a good friend of mine, Natasha Rankin, who came up with the lemons battery idea. Yeah. Oh. So I just want to put out there, and you can actually um, see the conversation between her and Doug Naylor. Um, you know, we we're talking about previously how Doug's been kind of going out to the Twitter verse and going, ah, help, I need help with that. Um, he was actually saying, how could I charge up the battery back then in 23 AD or, you know, yeah. or something you know, around that phrase. And she says, oh, um, how about this? So, and I, I was a bit disappointed that I kind of, even just a little mention or something. <laughs> as I was trying to try and look through back before that original one to reference it for you guys, I found um, a conversation they had uh, back in March um, saying to her, I'm going to make you so happy smiley face and she's like what That's a bit she says what am i going to be named as rumor's old girlfriend or something so whether doug's going to kind of maybe write in a little reference for her or something like that maybe in a bit more of a, a nail away uh, yeah. but I, I wanted to have it out there do you know what i mean in terms of you know she's a friend of mine and she came up with that idea and i think kudos to her really um he was quite open about it on twitter but it, unfortunately just didn't quite make that final cut so we there salute you. Yeah, you. <laughs> you gave us a good episode title as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. One word, straight yeah. in, bosh. <laughs> no messing about. Um, what did you um, What did you think of the whole religious element? There was a bit of satire in towards the end. Did you like that? Was it a bit heavy-handed? Did it go far enough? What did you think? I think it's quite interesting because I think um, UK TV were probably hoping for the same reaction of, you know, um, like with Brian, yeah. perhaps, where you haven't heard it, you're going to get all kind of worked up about it, but when you actually see it, blah, blah, blah. And I was actually asked by um, an American friend who obviously haven't got to see it yet, but her family are deeply religious. She said, am I safe watching this, my family? So <laughs> actually, yeah, you are. As, um, as yeah, long as they it, watch it to the end and find out that it's not actual Jesus yes. that's being called <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, you know, storm out and write you know, like, complete letters. It not, then, it not actually think... being Jesus didn't help it being at the start of life of Brian. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you guys were right. He says, I actually found last week's episode and the references to the racism more offensive than this, mm. <laughs> which is quite odd. And that, that was clearly not intentional at all, I don't think, on, on Doug's part. But it's no. odd how we all kind of picked up more on the the illies um, with, with those sort of... Um, points really rather than the religion in this one um but no i, I think it was it, it went just far enough i mean the, the actual credit was interesting i don't know if you guys saw because um obviously it credited jesus but that's the name oh uh, yeah <laughs> the, bloke, and the bloke who could be jesus. the man who it, could it, be it, judas it, slash judas. jesus yeah. 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 it didn't it didn't kind of swing one way it didn't swing the other i think here say was quite just historically accurate you know it just yeah it's fair enough facts. You know, it was good, and I think in, in that way it was well executed. Yeah. The setting as well probably helps that because it was the missing years, you're talking about a time when Jesus hasn't become Jesus, the, you know, the pop. Yeah, it's an untapped, yeah, yeah area. Yeah, exactly. And so also, yeah. you've not got any kind of points of reference to to completely discredit it. There are no points of reference, you know, in that, um, according to that religion. So 
I think you say that. I think it was quite interesting point that you guys are picking up on um, with the Jesus portrayal. You know, talking about um, how he was switching from kind of uh, one accent to the other. But I think again, that was I thought that was actually quite funny because obviously it's playing our expectations of what Jesus is like, and actually then he goes into right slumming So I think yeah, obviously, obviously that didn't turn out to be the real Jesus. But I actually quite like that because we knew that was the truth. That you first of all you see what the perceptions are, he sets it up with that visual gag, and then we're sitting at the table, which is brilliant. Yeah. And Lister's also talking to what may be the actual Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably did. Uh, but yeah, we, we kind of had a quick, quick rewatch before. And yeah, when they're all sitting with their um, Last Supper set up. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the kind of inverted commas real Jesus is sitting right next to Lister. And they're having a good time. Uh, oh, that... Yeah, it was the same guy. Is that her? I'm sure oh, something. I assumed yeah. that having not obviously. Yeah, you, it's something that you can't pick up on first time round, but I assumed that must have been the guy who was later introduced as Jesus' uncle, Aaron, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's... Go on. Sorry, Lister says... Uh, sorry, Jesus says to Lister that he travelled to the River of Mersey mm. in uh, Albion. So that not explain his Scouse accent? <laughs> well, no, because it was Geordie. Oh, sorry. More Mackie specifically, Mackie. it was Mackham. <laughs> Oh yeah, Macum, apparently yeah. it was Macam, not Geordie, yeah, but it's okay. the same. He's a Macam. Oh okay. Um... You're both northern. <laughs> uh, it was um certainly uh I think you could safely describe it as a batshit episode of Red Dwarf. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it's something that it's done in small doses before with obviously the ticket to ride, the Kennedy assassination. Mm. Um I for one am quite happy to see Red Dwarf go in this direction of doing just mental things because you know it's completely unexpected what do you guys think of that is that is this the sort of storyline you'd like to see more of or just an occasional treat because for me Red Dwarf is them on Red Dwarf you know it's, yeah. it's the whole point of them and going smushed together but you know we've had effectively you know 25 years of that we, we need to have every now and again fresh material though and each series seems to have their kind of let's throw 95% of the budget of this episode and then, oh shit, we've got nothing left. Let's let's do these episodes. And sometimes for me, they're the better ones. But no, I mean, the set was just absolutely incredible. I mean, I was saying to Kieran, oh, that's, an, that's actually an indoor set. Really? God, it, it just it just looked fantastic. It, it was, you know, they've poured a lot of money and effort into these sort of things. And yeah, I think it does pay off. But yeah, wouldn't necessarily say that that makes it my favourite. Um, but I think, you know, out of the whole series, it's probably, you know, edging to, to be my favourite so far. Well, um, I I would agree. The rest, uh, well, well, let's have, let's have a quick. At this stage, having talked about it a bit more, where does this rank compared to the other two? Oh, <laughs> shall we save this for later on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah let's I turn think to so. the structure of the podcast. Yeah, yet. we're not quite at that point yet, but yeah, I I personally agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. uh, anyway, um, thank you to both of us, both of you. <laughs> 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 Kieran and unexpected. I'd like to thank me, but... <laughs> yeah. I've been great at hosting. This. <laughs> it's all about you, dude. Yeah. So yeah, I hope Evie continues to dance along, and uh, I hope I mean, you two join in. Training. Yeah. Well, I'll, have to, I'll have to stick it up on Facebook. It's quite a yeah. you know a little body moving. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, she she likes the dwarf. Well, we need we need more young people because they they've got to come to DJ in twenty years time. That's and it, yeah. You're too old. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, yes, speak to you soon. Bye. 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 Thank you. Uh, right, we've got a, a few more of your comments lined up. Uh, but first, here's a quick message from our sponsors. 
which is us. <laughs> the Garbage Pod is a wholly remarkable book. Perhaps the most remarkable, certainly the most successful book, ever to come out of the great publishing corporations of Ganymede and Titan. More popular than Norman Lovett's autobiography, better selling than 53 more things to do in Chloe Annett, and more controversial than Ulan Kalufid's trilogy of philosophical blockbusters, Where Ian Lee Went Wrong, Some More of Ian Lee's Greatest Mistakes, and Who Is This Ian Lee Person Anyway? And in many of the more relaxed civilizations on the outer eastern rim of the galaxy, the Garbage Pod has already supplanted the great Andrew Ellard as the standard repository of all Red Dwarf knowledge and wisdom. Because, although it has many omissions, contains much that is apocryphal, or at least wildly inaccurate, it scores over the older, more pedestrian work in two important ways. First, it is slightly cheaper, and second, it has the words Foaming Twat inscribed in large, friendly letters on page 133. Buy it now at ganymede.tv. I was sitting a bit back while Carrie was talking, so... Danny, we're live, you prick. <laughs> <laughs> that was smooth. That was, <laughs> that was smooth. Uh, Danny's joining us on Skype and didn't know that we'd started again. Uh, good. Right, well, uh, we've got a few comments to read out, fortunately. Um, first of all, uh, Clayton Hickman, uh, former editor of Doctor Who magazine, has uh, posted on GNT to say, I think that might just be my favourite episode so far, and not just because I quite fancied Jesus. <laughs> uh, is, that, uh, is, that, is that sacrilegious to fancy Jesus? Which Jesus? Ah. He, he just loves all Jesus. He, Jesus. <laughs> he is the lover of all Jesus men. <laughs> That's uh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've. Um, some of you may remember Julian, who's a friend of mine. He's turned up on various podcasts and he doesn't particularly like Red Dwarf. Um, <laughs> he didn't particularly like this episode. And what's interesting about Julian um, is that uh, Julian is a Christian, he's a practicing Christian. And um, I did ask him whether he found. He said, um, I thought that episode was rubbish, and that's not my religious side talking. Um, so I did ask him whether his religious side had any issues with it and he said not particularly light-hearted nonsense and um, I think that's you know I, I take Julian to be my compass of Christian opinions basically <laughs> and um, I think that's a, that's a good sign you know anyone with you know anyone with half a brain mm. won't take this you know in uh, any way. I don't think there's been any real suggestion that that's going to be the case anyway but yeah. it's, it's interesting Julian is a is a decent barometer in a, in a sense because like 95% at least of religious people is not fucking mental. <laughs> yeah, um, there might be some mental religious people who do have problems, but they'll have problems with anything that mentions the word Jesus. So. Yeah. And that is the same minority that inhabits any other group of yes. people on the planet. We hate all religions <laughs> equally, don't well, worry. Oh, even, yeah, there's 5% of atheists who are yeah. horrible people. Probably more than 5%. Such as Richard Dawkins. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, Oh, we've got another comment from uh, our friend Jesmond, who um, it was on the first of these podcasts. Uh, he says, I think they missed a trick tonight by not having all characters portrayed within this programme are fictitious and any resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. That would have tied out fantastically for me. Uh, I was curious at first about Jesus' accent, but with the reveal that he isn't the right guy, it all comes together. And like with that... Uh, bad writing, Jess. Uh, so many of the jokes had moments where I felt like I know what's coming but yet were executed so well that they had me lolling regardless 
And I got that a few times, and also a few times where I expected it to go one way and then it was subverted. I think the comedy really was top-notch in this episode. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll be dealing with a few more of your comments uh, later, and uh, what we really want is to see your small points. Uh, <laughs> this is our only regular feature. <laughs> Because it allows us to make knob jokes. <laughs> uh, so if you've got a small point of any uh, last little bits and pieces you want to um, you want to say about lemons, the best place to reach us is at Ganymede Titan. That's at Ganymede Titan. For the record, I think the website's working now. Yeah, <laughs> temporarily at least. And uh, we're joined now by someone. Now, usually at this stage of the podcast. Uh, we go on GNT and do a um, control F and look for Pete Part Three, because he usually posts uh, very detailed uh, breakdowns of what he liked and what he didn't like about the episode. Um, he hasn't posted so far today, so we thought we'd uh, talk to him in person instead. Hello, Peter. Hello. Yay. Hey, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Good. It's the first time I've ever heard your voice. I'm quite. It is. Yeah. I'm quite relieved that it's not really horrible because that would have been a letdown. It's been it's been years, and this is the first proper contact. Yeah. yeah contact has been made. I'm out of my shell just to uh, to show you what I exist. Yeah. <laughs> So, so the big question is, uh, what did you think? Um, okay, so you want some bit ground, really, don't you? Because uh, I didn't hate it, Good. but I didn't love it either. Um, I kind of got where they were going with it. I, I liked. I didn't have any sort of objection to the sort of the target of Christianity or Jesus. Um, well, I'm a South Park fan, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a kick in. But I, I just don't think that's really a, a Red Dwarf sort of angle. Um, I'm not sure whether it's a, a good fit for Red Dwarf, but okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. It's, it's okay. If that's going to be the story, then we'll go along with that. But I just found it a little bit sort of flat. Um, there wasn't really much in there that made me maybe laugh at all. Mm. Um, I didn't. I mean, the story was fine in that it had a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> and ignoring the first scene, which was awful, absolutely awful, um, it sort of tied together. There was nothing sort of extraneous, nothing that we didn't need. It was all there in the story, but it just there was just nothing really there that made me laugh much. The the first scene had practice anus as a punchline. Surely that counts for something. <laughs> practice rectum. Or oh, practice rectum, yeah. Get it right. Either way. Get your anus right, Captain. The regular I don't know my anus from my rectum. <laughs> the problem I have with those sort of things in Red Dwarf now is that I just don't think that it's as good as it used to be about having two characters just talk about nothing. Um, mm. Some of the best scenes in Red Dwarf are not sort of tied to the plot, but... Anything sort of out past sort of like the last, well, since series seven, I just find it awkward when you've got two characters talking about something that's not plot related, mm. and it just feels a bit sort of, okay, can we just get onto the plot now, please? Because this isn't making me laugh, and it just it was just a bit of a clunky setup so we could get to cat eating Mister Spleen sort of twenty minutes later, and it mm. just, I've, I've kind of had enough of. Uh, People eating people's body parts, it's just a bit too... <laughs> <laughs> We've all had enough. 
But we don't want to hear about your personal life. <laughs> but uh, I think that scene would have been better. A few people have pointed out online, and I remember being told about this at the... Um, oh, no, actually, the opening scene um, was re-recorded at the start of the episode four session. Five. Yes. Episode five, five session. Yeah. Um, and uh, it originally started with Lister singing to Ganymede and Titan. And that yeah. got cut. Yes, it did. So oh, thanks for that, that, Doug. Clearly a reference to clearly, our site rather yeah. than the first line of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to get a nice free advert out of that. <laughs> oh, you would have seen that scene recorded, Pete. And but I didn't actually remember it at all. Oh, did you not? Like yeah, it does actually yeah, it does ring a bell. I remember him singing Ganymed and Titan. Um, but, yeah, I don't actually... It's strange you just pointed that out. I didn't actually remember that at all. Because yeah. um, that would have probably sort of made me feel a little bit uneasy on the night just because I thought... Ugh. Certainly now, I, I'm looking at it thinking, this isn't great. <laughs> well, I'm... But after that, I think it, it sort of, once the, the plot actually gets into it, I mean, you got, then you have River and Lister talking about Shakespeare, and that felt a little bit weak to me as well. But as soon as Crichton comes in, it, it, the story sort of picks up a bit. Yeah, it and drives the whole story. The really. thing is, with both of those scenes, the sort of pre-plot scenes, they were very, very short. And so I didn't feel like we were hanging around and waiting for things to happen because, we, you know, we di- it didn't give us a chance to, to get bored of it, really. I don't know, I just get a bit restless when I watch it because it's like, <laughs> I want it to make me laugh, yeah. but, I, but I want it to be moving along as well. I'm a bit of a, an arsehole in that respect because <laughs> I just <laughs> oh, sort of sit there with my arms crossed thinking, come on, entertain me, and a lot of the time that doesn't happen, unfortunately. I think... But I mean, never Trojan, it just hasn't done the last couple of weeks and it's... It's a little bit disheartening where you sort of think, come on, make me laugh, please. Especially when you know that series 10 can do that because it did that with yes, the Trojan. Yes, yeah. I, I sort of had labelled it as being sort of past its best, but it, it did make me laugh a couple of weeks ago. And I really did. Every time I, I watch Trojan, I do enjoy it more. Whereas with last week's, I've watched that a few times now and I just, I'm not really feeling it. And with this one, I've watched it twice now and ugh. It's just a bit sort of off for me. It reminds me, it's sort of, it's Life of Brian meets Star Trek First Contact, I think, and <laughs> it's just sort of this weird sort of amalgamation of the two. And I love those two films. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, so you've got, like, a celebrity being taken to a, a, a spaceship in the future and he finds out about his legacy and has to go back and, and that's, a, that's a fine, that's, that's an okay story, I don't really mind that, and I don't think anyone could be particularly offended by it. From any Christians, I don't, I don't see how they could be offended by that because it's not even Jesus. Yeah. I mean, maybe the stuff about the Ten Commandments is a bit sort of dodgy ground, but I don't know. But I don't see why anyone be offended about it like they would be about Taiwan Tony. Mm. Well, the thing, all the um, all the stuff about the Ten Commandments and whatnot—that's all justifiable. That's all. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, a that's personal true. viewpoint. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's Richard Herring sort of uh, territory, <laughs> it, it really. Very Richard Herring. <laughs> yeah, that's the fourth time his name's come up with this. <laughs> Which is no I bad mean, thing. Yeah, it did bring to mind Christ and a bike quite a lot. And yeah. it's it's fine. I don't really I don't really mind that that, that subject matter. I'm just not entirely sure it's it's Red Dwarf. Well it's new, it's uh, we said have said this before, this is this feels like new ground for a dwarf and it's, of course it's not uh, Red Dwarf isn't precluded from trying something new, and there's oh, yeah, always exactly, going to yeah, yeah, be that. Yeah, there's always going to be that. I just made it laugh as well, and, and this one really didn't. 
I mean, there was a couple of bits. I didn't. I love the montage with them building the shower. Yeah. But I don't know if that's because it had the Crichton music. <laughs> well, if, if it, it is because that's that sweetness for me. Yeah, it did get a warm grin as soon as the music came on. Yeah. Um, and then the other bit was when uh, Rimmer told them that they could get copper in Britain and they just walked like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. And that, that kind of made me smile. I, I like the way he worded that. Isn't Britain famous for copper? <laughs> <laughs> like, like you should have made a list. That was good. That like, was yeah, like he read about Britain. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, after that, I just think the, the third act with, with Jesus going back to Red Dwarf was just a bit sort of flat for me. It just didn't really go anywhere. I think it was a good sort of um, culture shock moment of seeing... When you see anyone on Red Dwarf that's not one of the crew, especially in, uh, other you know, other than computers and and machines, when was the last time uh, we had someone on Red Dwarf that wasn't one of the crew? Uh, Katarina was a bit of a shocker, and she turned out not to be real. Yeah. Oh, and then oh yeah, series eight. But, but yeah, <laughs> that's but a poor point. But maybe it Sam is, Murray and um, that yeah, Polish ship. I think it is. It is still a shock to see new people on, car- on the ship, and then it's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, as far as the audience are aware, Jesus Christ is on Red Dwarf. And yeah, I, I mean, but I, th- I think it did miss a scene where Jesus is actually learning about his legacy. That I mean, they sort of shorthanded me. it by yeah. just having. Uh, oh, Christ true. and discover the book. Yeah, you've got a better mem- memory than me, but yeah, he was flicking through it and just kind of, you know, pulling a shock face. I think they cut out quite a few bag jokes as well because <laughs> I remember there being more on the night, and I really, really like, um, I really like the just the element of Jesus is completely taken with bags, and <laughs> he wanted a bag for comfort after his operation as well. I did quite like that because I thought the bag sort of wrap up at the end was was good. I li- I quite like that when we, yeah. he took bag idea and was walking around India selling bags. <laughs> I, now, so I, I didn't even mind Jesus that much. I mean, the the performance I wasn't too sure about, but as soon as it became clear that he wasn't Jesus, I didn't mind what the, the actor was doing because it was kind of like shifty sort of. And I thought, yes, if we'd done this sort of throughout, I think it would have been really quite good because it would. I've sort of, sort of trod the line of being offensive, but then you you do pull back and you realise that he's he's not Jesus, so no one's too offended. Well, that's if they watch through to the end and don't just, as you know. Well, yeah, just start yeah. typing in, the letter Je- to the date now or whatever. Yeah, in Jerry Springer, the opera is not Jesus who shits in a nappy. It's yeah, it's, but yeah. It, it it doesn't even matter a no. jot, does it? Where soon as complaints are made, yeah, we need to hide their green pens. <laughs> or just hide Stephen Green <laughs> I think it would be great if there was a controversy about this episode now because we've seen it and we know that you can easily defend it if you've got half a brain so I think a little controversy get people talking about it and the papers you know it wouldn't be a bad thing no yeah just a little bit and then you know we can calm down with the controversy in Red Dwarf for a bit yeah <laughs> yeah. so yeah, every week I'm still seeing people who are going oh my god there's new Red Dwarf why did nobody tell me about this <laughs> <laughs> you missed the billboards at every station in London <laughs> yes well yeah I did a journey on well I used the Piccadilly and the District Line today and there were at least three stations where there was a big poster and that's three weeks into the series yeah, yeah. But even outside of London, there's like, I think it was Craig Charles tweet uh, sent a picture to Bobby 
Mm. Um, a massive billboard in Manchester, and I believe there's one in Birmingham and mm. Liverpool, and like they're all over. Not just yeah. you know, I mean, obviously London's been pretty saturated with it, but you know, throughout the country there are massive billboards that people just seem to have not noticed <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, just before we fuck you off, Pete, um, have you got any uh, final small points? Uh, why don't you kick off our small point section, if you can? <laughs> okay, my small point is that Wallace and Gromit should not be mentioned in a Red Wolf episode. Oh, yes. they should be mentioned when it's that funny. No, I like no way. I, mean, I love Wallace and Gromit, but... No, leave that alone. Come on. Let's... I, I I did laugh at the Wallace and Gromit mention, but I do think it overstepped a line and should probably be in the same bin as eBay mentions. Yeah. However, the Flintstones is all right. <laughs> so where's ah. your line? Yeah, but it's it's, it's more than a the... bigger cut, like sort of cultural sort of touchstone than, than Wallace and Gromit. Because I think it's more than just a reference to the show. It's a reference to the fact that for a for a period of the last 10 years it's been a Christmas show the fact that it's a Christmas day show is really specific and yeah. it's not something that's going to last forever mm. and it's and not it's something more contemporary as well I mean Wallace yeah. and Gromit's sort of still going on hopefully whereas Flintstones sort of finished sort of 30 years ago so I think it, it might... doesn't feel like so much con- sort of contemporary sort of mention I think it might be one of those gags that I will warm to more and more as I watch it and as it becomes... Because I don't... You know, I really enjoy the very specific of-their-time references in really early Red Dwarf. Mm. I think I'll probably end up putting that in the same... You know, it's a curio of the time. And I think it was definitely more Flintstones than Ishtar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the thing. I love the Ishtar because it's so fucking bizarre. And don't, and don't go see Run For Your Wife. <laughs> Contemporary jokes that you need footnotes for. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Or indeed the Norweb Federation. So, <laughs> uh, right. Uh, thank you for your small points and indeed your larger points that you liberally <laughs> sprinkled all over our faces. Anyway. Uh, great to talk to you, uh, finally. We'll have to go for a pint at some point. We uh, will. All in London. Uh, later. Okay. Uh, but thanks for coming and uh, speak to you soon. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. What a nice guy. Oh, brilliant. We've uh, cut Danny off again. Actually, <laughs> it's, well, it's all right uh, because it is time for small points, and uh, I have a small point which I don't often do. Uh, ignore that noise. That's Danny. Shut up, Danny. Okay. <laughs> right, my small point: the ad break. Really weird. Oh fuck! It was the ad break was in the middle of a scene. Yeah. It, yeah, and uh, I thought, oh, is that a transmission error? Because we're you know hearing transmission stories from John and Tanya all the time, I thought, oh, <laughs> someone put, you know, the wrong fucking time code in. But no, because those bumpers are hard-coded into the episode. Yeah. As we saw um, at the, 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 premiere the premiere that we went to. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that that was a production decision. Yeah. Fucking bizarre. Well, I think if you see that as being, as if it was on the ship and it had that kind of a sort of a reveal or that kind of a thing, you would have had a ship shot where that was. Yeah. But the point is, they couldn't do that because they weren't like. If you put a shit shop, a ship shot. <laughs> if you put a ship shot where, a shit that, shop. where the ad break was, then it wouldn't seem as jarring. But because it was an ad break, it does seem a lot more jarring. Well, what, what they could that scene only sort of continued for another twenty thirty seconds or so yeah. after the break, and then it yeah. cut to the last supper set up. Would it not have been more effective to finish off that scene and then start the part with the Last Supper shot? Well, I think or that, was yeah. the, or is the hard cut from you can sit on on my right hand side, Crichton, and 
then cut to the last super shot. I think we might have just got to the nub of it there yeah. is that they yeah. had to have the lead up to that shot and it, you need to instantly see that shot and it works really well. It's really yeah. funny. I mean, they've they've obviously experimented with all the options and we've seen it once. So yeah, that's yeah. probably the thought process <laughs> they went through of hang on, that it would actually be more effective to do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Small uh, points? Yeah, I've got Dan Pendleton's small point once again. <laughs> we, usually, we usually read out Dan's stuff. Um, Medibot got a mention. Uh, Quentin yeah. doesn't trust him. And after last week's episode, I can see why. Hopefully, you never see him again. Fuck you, Dan Pendleton. That was my small point. Oh. <laughs> That's yeah. also my fault. Yeah. Uh, we should have gone You, get, you go around that. the room for small points. <laughs> this is why I'm the host. Well, have more control. <laughs> who's, got small, who's got small points? Tanya? Uh, no, I'm alright, no small point. I've got a small point. I'd like to point out that um, Crichton says that he doesn't trust the <laughs> yeah. computer. That's a very good point, <laughs> Thank Joshua. You. But no, it, it puts him in a bit more context, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And yeah, so perhaps the performance last week was a slightly insane. Yeah. Medibot. He was di- it, yeah. yeah, it gives us an idea that he might have been directed a bit more yeah. to be like that. Um, and given that it was Lister who was going to him for the advice and he was unaware that Crichton had been actually performing all the medical duties aboard Red Dwarf, it would make sense that Lister would go to him not knowing that he was mental because he'd done a good job on sorting out his bellyache and whatnot. Yeah. He, he assumed that the Medibot had done a good job and was to be trusted. Yeah. That we're probably reading too much into it to justify the fact that we don't like <clears throat> Medibot. But, well, hey, but it, that's was it, was, it was an interesting mention that yeah. didn't need to particularly be there. So, any uh, any other small points? I've been um, I've been trying to mull over small points. I've kind of covered a lot of my small points um, <laughs> over over the uh, over the episode. Uh, non, yeah, non spring to mind. All right. I've got a, a small small point. Okay, um, which is. Um, it doesn't even matter continuity wise yeah. however um, that brilliant now something something, <laughs> something speech yeah. the attitude of Rimmer towards Shakespeare is quite different now to but then yeah. that in itself in series 3 is different to his attitude in series 1 of uh, is that playwright from the olden days um, Wilfred Shakespeare, Wilfred Shakespeare. yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah, from series to series, episode to episode, Shakespeare is something different yeah. to all the characters Rim, at various points. Yeah, for Rim, it's, uh, his opinions on Shakespeare is as inconsistent as his religion. Yeah. <laughs> I see it as the fact that Rimmer's tried so hard to read Shakespeare and understand it that he just gets so frustrated and pissed off with it that he yeah. just decides, yeah. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm having that. We're going to keep that one. Uh, we've got a few uh, internet-based small points, and uh, if you... If you want to uh, chuck some more in, we've got a bit more time. Uh, at Ganymede Titan on Twitter. Um, Alex Newsom has accused me of going a bit partridge during this uh, podcast, to which I can only say, you can fucking talk. <laughs> uh, in a partridge voice. You can talk. Um, Thursaloon, Thursaloon says, I say it was well written and funny, but if you mention Big J, the hacks are going to mention Life of Brian, smegheads. Uh, okay. Uh, Jamie Rodge says a bit shit. Uh, I don't know if that's us or the episode or that. <laughs> uh, Cy Bromley, of course, he has a small point. Um, when the scene was re- when that meat scene was recorded during episode five, the meat smelt beautiful, but he's still unsure oh, about the episode. That is a very good point. That was a proper thing. I've got um, Thomas Evans, uh, someone else that we usually read out. Um, 
love the reference to Cat's deleted episode from Series 7. I have ah. spotted this. It's kind of slightly reversed because in Identity Within, he needs to have sex yeah. um, in order to not die. But he references a, a planet of cat pe- cat ladies who have to have sex with him. So um, mm. I don't think it's a forced thing. It's more, you know, like... It's also yeah, sirens as well. Um, uh, with the oh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, a, yeah, a tiny reference to that. And I think there was another one last week, but I can't remember it offhand. Uh, we've got a, a small flurry of um, of tweets from Seb Patrick, who, like a massive twat that he is, was out while the episode <laughs> was on, so he's uh, just cut up. Uh, disappointed that the Ganymede and Titan reference uh, <laughs> at the start of Lemons was cut. I don't think that was actually a reference to it. <laughs> uh, a very silly and very enjoyable episode. Uh, as uh, our friend and his uh, fiance Joe put it, not this Joe. She, I, I, I've got that one. He's got, he's got his own Joe. Uh, she said uh, that was like Red Dwarf meets Horrible Histories and that's that's a very good thing to to invoke and Seb also says with the possible exception of you're a complete twat the Wallace and Gromit line might just be Ten's best moment so far Uh, so yeah different uh, opinions on that I I like the Wallace and Gromit line a lot well it got a laugh out of me it is a good joke um, I just agreed with Pete's Pete's point that it, it Felt a little off, but yeah, I mean, it's it's got prefer, it's got very good bedfellows. I did prefer it to the eBay <laughs> joke, which yeah, because eBay links into that thing that we you know you're either with it or against it in um in episode one of um if if eBay still exists then uh there's people trading in the universe online and that yeah. just seems weird <coughs> Rimmer because could be especially himself but yeah. yeah. But especially as due to the age of it, the internet has never been mentioned in Red Dwarf before. Yeah. <laughs> Any sort of reference to the internet. Um, Curtis Threadgold, uh, who... Uh, wasn't he that guy who was here earlier? <laughs> he's, uh, he's got a small point. Um, odd that Jesus guessed that they were English given the Captain Crichton's accents. Uh, yeah, because yeah, he said you've, you've travelled from Albion. Um, the first person he talks to is Lister, though. Yeah. And he's crossed the River of Mersey, so he's met Scousers before. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure Scousers in 23 AD are just as unevolved as the current <laughs> Scousers. Um, uh, entirely different nah, ways. I've got a small point. Oh, yeah. It's not really a small point, it's just an observation that I thought was kind of cool. I quite like the Indiana Jones like map mm. as they're uh, walking across. That was so different from anything we've normally seen on their door. Also, uh, different to the temporary graphic they played in on the, on the night. Um, they, it's a shame they cut this gag, um, but originally they had a line drawn from not Albion but uh, Shepatonia going oh. through to uh, India. That would have been good. <laughs> yeah, that it was great to keep that in. Yeah, but the um, actually the graphic was the graphic for that was really really nice, and at the end I thought they were going to do with a ah ha ha they've gone the long way around and gone around in circles gag, but they didn't. I thought, it, yeah, it, I it looked like there was that. a proper it was a proper route around some. It looked like yeah, it looked like yeah. it had been researched and they figured out what the best <laughs> sensible route would be. Yeah, it's when just... they went off to the side, I thought, oh, here we go, they're going to loop around. <laughs> yeah, they're know. going to write smeg across the Indian <laughs> subcontinent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Oh, God. Um, Carl Eisenhower and Cy Bromley have uh, just made have just shared the same small point that they have between them uh, which was uh, wasn't it, uh, Carl says wasn't it nice to see the cat's tartan suit again first time since the Inquisitor uh, and Bromley have we noticed the cat re-wearing that tartan suit from series 5 yes yes we did um, I, I've got vague 
recollection of seeing it again more recently than Series 5. But is it cut. literally the same suit? This is uh, terrifying. Is it literally the same suit, though, or based on it? I, I, I don't know. We didn't see it that like clearly. It got changed into it because a day had passed in the storyline. Uh, um, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is, the... in fact, a completely different time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, we've run out of small points. Uh, and yeah. so, uh, this would be a good time for us to return to that, um, or attempt to return to that conversation of where do we place this episode in comparison to the first two? And obviously, um, bring back the standard instant reaction disclaimer of our opinions are probably going to change at some point. But based on my my first viewing, uh, that episode made me laugh more than I think um, either of the first two have. Um, I love the main plot of Fathers and Sons uh, possibly more than the main plot of this, but because this, because Lemons was more consistent uh, in terms of its humour and there was nothing in it that particularly grated on me like there was in Fathers and Sons, I would say that this is my favourite episode thus far. I would say that this is my second favourite episode for the exact same reasons but applied to Trojan. I think Trojan is the most consistent episode Um most consistently funny for me and um the story that i enjoyed the most and this this um runs second fathers and sons third ladies this yes uh it's first for me because i enjoyed it the most um i didn't i thought there were some good bits in the other two but i didn't particularly when i when i came out of the episode after it had finished i felt really positive whereas the other two hours of it. That's nice to hear. Do you think, and this is a, a it's a possibly semi-rhetorical question because it's hard to tell, do you think it's the environment? Because this is the first one that you've watched uh, in a group situation uh, full of Red Dwarf fans, everyone laughing. Previously, you've just watched it with John and his miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't rule it out. Yeah. Um, but... In conclusion, just come here for the next four weeks. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's... Well, it's it's definitely a factor with me and Trojan. Uh, mm. I definitely like Trojan more because of the environments I've seen it in for the first three times. Recorded, rough premiere. cut and premiere. All of, all of which was brilliant atmospheres and that's definitely, definitely changed my opinion of it. Uh, it there's nothing I can do about it. It's mm. just hardwired yeah. in. Um, going back to episode uh, placings, Joe, Danny, either of you confident enough to... I'll let Danny go first, so he's not last. No. Well, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is truly my opinion, as opposed to being covered, but um, I, I do genuinely think that Lemons is sort of the best episode fully. Uh, Father and Sons was a really, I really liked the idea of the Lister thing. That really just, that really did, that was awesome. So that was, that's number two. So it's three, two, one, basically, in my order. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. I'm going to be Slightly controversial now, I feel. Uh-uh. Um, None of them. <laughs> I would say that, regardless of the time on Tony stuff, the Fathers and Sons is my favourite episode. I like character driven plots, mm. and I really like the character development of Lister, which is carried on into the next episode. Yeah. Um, and because of that, it is my favourite. Um, I really don't want to put Trojan third, but I am going to put it third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, purely because I laughed so much at this episode. Mm. And that's not to say that Trojan wasn't funny or I didn't enjoy it because I enjoyed it a lot. 
and for similar reasons as Capsie because I saw it recording and I then saw the rough cut and then I saw it in a cinema with everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's and pretty special. So, it, yeah, I I love it, but I didn't laugh at that as much as I did mm. at Lemons tonight, and that's surprising because I. As I say, I went into it thinking, I don't think I'm going to really like this. <laughs> yeah. so. I think it's difficult to rank because I'm not sure if this is true for you, but for me, my opinions on these episodes are really, really close together. It's yeah, a really fine they are. line between them. Um, I yeah. think it's only in the last 10 minutes that I've decided that, that Trojan comes third. I've had yeah. to really force Running myself off. to make but a that's, decision. But that's not saying that Trojan is shit, by no, any means. That, no, not at all. I really enjoy Trojan yeah. and I really like it. And, it, and it, I don't want to it in last place yeah. it seemed, yeah. but because it's well great, it does but... it does seem to be along the lines of series i'd say two to six where obviously there's classic episodes in there but there's no dud episodes either and everything's sort of on a level whereas series seven and eight you had uh say take series seven you had stoke me a cliff for a ticket to ride decent uh beyond a joke uh, duck soup, not so much. Uh, <laughs> series eight, you had Cassandra, and then you had the other seven episodes. So it, rather than being extremes of either good or bad episodes, they're all they're yeah. all good. Yeah. Re- regardless, really. yeah, regardless of com- their comparison to what's come previously, I think when you when you compare these ap- episodes against each other, yeah, the, the, there's a straighter line there of quality. Whereas yeah. seven, mm-hmm. it's all it is all over the place and eight it's a little bit all over the place mainly all shit but it's um it's a really consistent series so far yeah yeah it 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 feels you know comfortable in itself um i think we better move on a little bit now because um i can see um terraform in the corner of my eye because uh, we want to get this finished before the repeat starts yeah <laughs> and uh, we're getting onto the hugging scene so we better um have a quick word about entangled um but based on the trailer, there's not that much new. No. no, it's all clips. I mean, I think this episode had the most number of clips from it uh, as part of the pre-publicity, and as such, um, there's not that much more that you can give away without ruining it. No, yeah, it's, I'm glad really that, that you know, on reflection, they didn't use many new ones. I think it's two moments. Yeah, uh, Rimmer says "wow" at Rimmer one point. Wow. Spoilers and um, <laughs> a little bit. Um, Quite in explaining to to Rimmer that, that he's, he's not shitting he's on spoons. Not he's not shitting on spoons. <laughs> I am not shitting on the spoons. I am dragging. And there was them. another Crichton and Cat line as well. Uh, was that a different part of the? Yeah, they did added a bit more to it. There's, there's one more than they usually did. Ah, ah right. right. It's hard to spot that because everything's yeah. sort of um, going on. Going on. Going on. Um, anything more to say about Entangled? Um, other than I'm looking forward to it yeah. very much I, um, because I've um, I've not seen this fucker, and oh, ev- you haven't. No. even those who were at the recording won't have seen all of it because it um, we didn't see the last five ten minutes or so. Indeed, yeah. Various reasons it didn't get finished on the night. Well, and yeah. I remember you know um, everyone coming home after the recording because pretty much everyone was there apart from me and the you know you. Very positive about the the comedy, the jokes. Yeah, but um, it was hard to it, it was hard to make age. your mind up about the yeah. plot without having seen the fucking thing finished. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'll be an interesting one next week. It, it will indeed. Because, yeah, how you know, presumably it was all. Well, fi- this is the kind of thing we'll find out a lot in the documentary, I suppose. But was it um, was it not finished because it wasn't written? Was it not finished because? Uh, 
we had something about an uh, an actress was ill or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, or was that just a cover story for the fact that he hadn't finished it off yet or something? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. So it'll be interesting to see whether the rest of the episode is as, as good quality as the um, the first half was, in my opinion. I mm, know. Uh, and so, as um, Rimmer's uh, self-loathing hordes attack his, uh, <laughs> attack his positive manifestations on a big bridge in Shepparton, um, that seems like a good time to wrap things up. Uh, massive thanks to everyone who's listened live and sent us comments. Uh, sorry if we didn't read your comments out. It just means that you are shit and we hate you. Uh, another massive thanks to our Skype correspondents, Curtis Threadgold, Carrie and Kieran Parsons, and Peter Martin. Uh, if you've missed any of this nonsense or want to listen again, a downloadable version of this Dwarfcast will be available on G&T and iTunes on Friday afternoon. Uh, we've just got one very quick thing to plug. <laughs> yeah, because... Because I, uh, I almost forgot to say this. Yeah, I um, on the latest episode of the Red Dwarf Introcast, if you don't mm-hmm. know what the Red Dwarf Introcast is, it's to an American couple called Heath and Angela. They're watching the show for the first time. Uh, along with their friends who have watched the show, uh, Paul and um, Shane. Shane. Um, Paul Shane. Yeah, Paul Shane. They've just done uh, Backwards. I was on, on the episode, had a lovely time, very lovely people, and I think you should download that and podcast. It's, I think it's uh, the Red Dwarf com, but I'm not sure. Uh, there's a are. link in the Let's Talk About Lemon Thread on GNT, which is now back online. And cutting beautifully back into the script. Make sure you stick with Ganymede.tv over the weekend to read the long-awaited opinions of John Hoare, who'll be doing the written review of this episode. We'll be back at the same time next week to talk about Entangled, although probably not in perfect sync with each other. But until then, goodbye. 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 Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast, and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye.